Welcome to BIB Today, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. The week uh, that we're watching right now is seeing the Business Development Bank of Canada, BDC, launch the world's largest investment platform of its kind, supporting the accelerated growth of businesses led by women. It follows an earlier commitment to create a women in technology venture fund, and it aims to tackle systemic barriers faced by women-led businesses, providing them with greater opportunity on the global stage and what it's going to have a lasting impact on the Canadian economy. It's called the Thrive Platform. And my guest today is Michelle Scarborough. She's the Women in Technology and the Thrive Venture Funds Managing Partner. Good to talk to you. Good to see you. Nice to see you too. Uh, This is a big platform. This is not uh, chump change here. Uh, Start by helping us understand the scope of all of it. Sure. Um, so the Thrive platform um, is, uh, it, as you said, it's the largest in its world um, to to really help help women entrepreneurs really across the Canadian landscape elevate their, their themselves. Um, it's an investment platform com- with three main components: a three hundred million dollar venture fund, which is the Thrive Venture Fund, a hundred million dollar allocation to invest in emerging managers with women in the GP or as a partner in a fund. And, uh, and then the third pillar, which is the Thrive Lab. And the lab itself is really dedicated to pre-seed stage women that are looking to build companies. They may or may not have an idea whether that company is going to be venture backable, but they're seeking equity capital to help that company get off the ground and to turn their idea into a commercially viable business. And so the lab um, will be designed by the, by the community, by partners in the market, and, uh, and it will be a partnership strategy to help those women entrepreneurs as they build companies from the very early stages. The three components, you know, obviously they dovetail together and and solving for building, um, putting equity to work in companies that are led by women as well as in investors. Uh, Women women investors will help to bring that marketplace together. Can can we roll back the clock uh, five years and take a look at what the inaugural Women in Technology Venture Fund was there? And um, it was it was a large fund at the time. Uh, what have been the um, the lessons learned and uh, the the evolution here that then takes BDC to this uh, much larger platform? Well, I think you know when we started the fund in 2017, we um, we started the fund at a time where we knew there was an enormous gap in the market, where mm-hmm. we knew that women uh, were an underserved segment when it came to venture capital or access to venture capital. And so when we started the fund in 2017, it was designed to solve for that gap. And at the same time, we had allocated uh, about $20 million to invest in, again, that emerging GP uh, female partner who wanted to build a, uh, a venture capital firm. And so over the period of the last five years, what we've seen is an evolution in the market. We've seen the growth of more women founding companies, more women wanting to know, leave their corporate jobs and move into C-suite executive positions in emerging or growing uh, Canadian tech companies and to um, to really kind of step up. Um, we've also seen the emergence of more women becoming investors, both at the angel stage and in uh, venture capital firms. And so we're seeing kind of the growth of everything. I think one of the things that we've also, um, uh, that's been really poignant for me um, I started as an entrepreneur and then became a, became an investor. And one of the things that's really poignant for me is the uh, number and the increase in the number of role models that we're seeing in the market. We're seeing more women 
you know, write big checks. We're seeing more women uh, grow big businesses. Many of those are in our portfolio today from the women in tech from the first fund. And, uh, and those women are acting as role models. And one of the things we consistently hear from the marketplace is the need for more of those and the need for women growing their businesses to be able to see others that, that have done it before them so that they can then emulate that behavior. So. Because, because obviously the launch of a fund isn't, uh, isn't for nothing. You, you, you're obviously are, uh, determining a problem that has to be solved. Um, tell me a little bit about what you think the gaps remain in the system. Yeah, so we still see gaps at the early stage, pre-seed stage, seed stage, still enormous gaps, not just in, in uh, investing in women-led uh, companies, but in the pre-seed and seed stages of the technology ecosystem generally. Um, so we're solving for that with a number, with the fund as well as with the lab. Um, that gap still remains. We still also see gaps in terms of uh, talent. We've got, you know, as you saw coming out of COVID, there were big talent challenges. There's obviously tons of hiring and then lots of people, you know, resigning and trying to figure out what they wanted to, to be and sort of the next version of themselves. Um, that created a very hot market for talent and drove, you know, the numbers of, of um, the dollars that were being paid to talent up and uh, causing some friction. So what we're seeing now is sort of a leveling out of that, but, um, but talent will still be hot. And Canada right now is also being seen as a a place for foreign investors, primarily in the U.S. in venture capital, um, specifically to come and look for great opportunities. So I think the other thing we're seeing is an enormous opportunity set in Canada to um, to build some amazing technology companies here. So correct me if I'm wrong, um, you know, but with all of the factors arrayed uh, systemically and otherwise uh, against women at times. Is it such that uh, when they make their pitches, when they set out and are rebuffed at an early stage, that you know that they are more likely to pull away from that and and find something else than to continue their pursuit? Um, you know, we we hear this a lot. Um, we hear about what happens in the boardroom a lot. We don't have that experience because we're we're a very diverse team. Um, what, what some women will do and what we tell them is, you know, one, one no is one step closer to a yes. And when you're pitching investors, the thing that people need to remember is that this is a long game and, you know, we're on both sides, the investor and the, the, the entrepreneur, we are looking for, um, people that we want to work with and the entrepreneur and the, the, the female entrepreneur needs to be looking for the same. Who are the people that are going to help her build a successful company? Those are the people that she needs to surround herself with. So when she gets a no, what she needs to ask is, okay, why is that a no? What are the business reasons why that might be a no for this firm? And how can I a, leverage that for the next meeting that I'm going to have with a, with a potential investor, angel or venture capital? And then are these the right investors for me and the company as I build the company itself? Who are the people I need around me? What networks do they have? Do they have deep pockets? Are they going to be able to help me bring this company to market or accelerate its growth in a market that I might not have access to yet? So we try to help these women position themselves so that they've got the, their, their, their best foot forward and they've got the confidence to stand up in that room and tell their story with conviction and with passion, but also 
um, you know, to be able to identify the right people that they want around them. I think the other thing that we also hear, which is really important, is that the um, that women tend to focus very practically on how they're going to build the company. So oftentimes women will not, we hear this and we see it, um, often they will not over-inflate, over-exaggerate the story. They'll be very practical, you know, how they're going to build the company and here are the metrics and so on um, versus, um, you know, and, I, and I'm using gross generalizations, by the way, here, just for the, for the sake of the point. Um, women need to be practical, but they also need to talk about that vision and tell the story about what this, what this company that they're building has the capability to be and their vision for the future. And in doing yeah. so, with practicality, that will that will beget uh, the right investors listening to them. I'm not in those shoes, but the, that sounds like a lot to overcome for somebody. You know, you know you're talking about about really, you know, the change of, of your character, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it, less a change in character, I would argue. I would say that it's, it's um, you know, bring your passion and bring yourself to to what you're trying to present to an to an investor, don't ever lose that because that is you know you're often often entrepreneurs are building something because they've seen a gap in the market that they're trying to solve they've experienced something personally that they're trying to overcome or that somebody in their family or friends have overcome um, or need to and so they're solving really important problems and so there's no need to be shy about that right and. Well, I think the other thing that, you know, you've got to remember is that as more women are at these boardroom tables, as investors listening to these stories, it does change the narrative in a boardroom. It does change the narrative at the investing table when we have diversity around that investing table in the same way that you have diversity around your, um, around your, your executive table inside of those companies. And just even having that diversity makes the conversation very different. Yeah, I've seen you know I've seen uh, estimates over the years of what it means to have women participating in the workforce uh, in terms of our our you know our economy. I've seen uh, estimates around what happens if you have a, a strong national childcare program. What that means in terms of its own uh, economic uh, you know uh, contribution. Do you have any, any guess on what it means if you can uh, essentially, uh, you know, turn turn this country into something that has uh, a really full participation of all the women entrepreneurs that want to basically do their thing? Oh man, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even dare to guess. But uh, if you want a hard number. Um, but we know that when you invest in women-led businesses, those women-led businesses do return more. Um, we know this. We are seeing this in in um, in studies, and we're also seeing it in our own portfolio. So we can point to things where this has been true. Really? Um, we do. Oh yeah, yeah. we're seeing, we're actually seeing it when you look at comparables in the marketplace, and we do this regularly. Um, so we are seeing these changes active. And, and it's, it, you can point to McKinsey studies, you can point to Deloitte studies. There's a bunch of different studies that have been done on this already, but we do think this is good for business. And our country is very diverse. So if you're, if you're taking a, a product to market, you want 
to be as diverse as your as as your marketplaces and as, as the people that you're selling to. And for yeah. us, we see that as an enormous opportunity because of the the nature of what we're trying to do as investors. The more the more women-led companies that we can see, the more opportunities we have to knit the ecosystem together through our partners with respect to the lab, the more ways in which we can crowd in private sector capital to help these companies have access to not just the capital they need, but also the networks and the customer base that they require to build yeah. these big companies. If you put all of that together, it sounds a little bit, you know, maybe um, uh, motherhood and apple pie, but I do think that we, over time, will be able to make an enormous change and we will see that happen well, in terms of economic dollars. Yeah, also because of the scale of our country and as you put it earlier, the, the talent crisis that we have in a lot of these cases. I mean, the, the you know, the diminution of someone's uh, uh, capabilities uh, by virtue of not getting access to funding to pursue, uh, you know, a, a really strong concept uh, actually probably hurts us more than it would a big country. <laughs> Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think so. I mean, you know, and and even if it's even if you decide you're an entrepreneur and you decide that you know venture capital is not the right path for you, but you you know, but financing, you know, debt debt can help you. Or you're building a company and you want equity, but you're not on a venture path because you know that your risk return profile is not going to be four times, but still a great investment. There's no reason why. Um, we shouldn't be looking at those kinds of opportunities from, you know, from an angel perspective or private equity. It's a matter of kind of making it all sing together uh, in mm -hmm. ways that are going to make sense. But, but we have a big opportunity right now and there's never been a great, a better time to be, uh, to be an investor than now. Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, the public is on side as well. Uh, now, what I would wonder about is in, in uh, setting up a, a tech fund uh, five years ago, now with this fund, um, are you also getting some insights on where where there has to be other kinds of interventions at an earlier stage, even before you know women are getting to you? I mean, we must be trying to deal with issues of education, with issues of you know acculturation in our school system around all of this. Any ideas? And you know, of just I'm turning to you as an authority now, not not as someone who's making the policy or, or running a fund, but but you know, it's someone with insight. Yeah. So you know, I think we need to. I think we need to start early. Um, you know, we we need to teach entrepreneurship earlier in the schools. We need to teach kids how to think um, creatively and problem solve earlier on, so that they're working on uh, working together to solve problems as opposed to in a silo all the time. So I think starting early is key. There. You know, great programs out there right now, like Junior Achievement and Shad, and some of these other ones that that do little bits and pieces. But I think it, you know, if I if I were if I were a school kid now, I would want to be learning about entrepreneurship yeah. early and how that all works, right? As opposed to later on. And then I think you know the universities have done a good job of trying to develop uh, mechanisms through Creative Destruction Lab and others to to help bring science people together with business people to, you know, take take these amazing ideas that we have across the country and commercialize them. But we need to do more of that and, and get that out the door earlier and, and allow these women in particular to find their voice in all of yeah. that. 
Would you mind, if, as we conclude, would you mind telling me your own story on what did it for you? Oh, what did it for me? You know, I had really great mentors and um, including my parents and my dad in particular. And, um, and he was the one that really was the driving force behind me very early on. And, uh, and he was the one that said, you know what, like, don't take no for an answer. You can do it. I'll, I'll back you. I will put money into your companies. I will help you get there. And if you say, if somebody says no to you, get up and, and keep going. And that's kind of what I've done my whole career. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was ambivalent about, uh, about doing an interview like this. I thought maybe better if you were interviewed by a woman, but I want to ask you the question about the role of men in all of this now. Um, because yes, it's a, it's a women led business venture fund, but, um, as you see it, what's the, what's the big role for men in this? Men are, you know what, like at the end of the day, we're all one. I'll say that. And men have as big a role to play as women do. Um, we all have to work together on this. Culture change doesn't happen by itself, sitting in a room, having a conversation with one person can help, but it's, it's not going to solve the problem systemically. We need to work together. We need to find ways to um, open doors to be mentors and sponsors like I had. Um, and we need to do that in a way that isn't, um, uh, that put, parks our egos, I would suggest, aside and allows for open an openness and uh, creativity to come through. Because people often are just looking for somebody to to talk to and some a place where they can go to learn, to evolve their business idea, to build their company where they're, they don't feel like they're threatened, right? And business doesn't have to be threatening. We got enough going on in the world where we really need to figure out how we work together and in a safe, in a safer environment. Men, men have to play a critical role in all of that. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. Uh, and I expect now that because you did a, you know, there's, a fund in 2017 of a certain size, uh, 2022 fund of a certain larger size. You know, I guess five years from now, there'll be a couple of billion dollar fund. From BC. So well, we'll see. We'll see. Do I have my math right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Michelle Scarbo, good to see you. Thanks a lot for your time nice today. To Thanks so much. You've been watching BIV Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. We'll see you again.